Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us something. The ministry of reconciliation. Let's go on to the next. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's committed something to us, a message and a ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, to hear from your word and to hear from your heart. Lord, to draw closer to you, to be motivated about the mission that you call us to. Father, I pray that you lead us this morning by your spirit, through your word. God, that we might know more about what's on your heart, that we might be inspired to follow you and to follow your lead. Father, I pray you guide us today. Lord, we submit this time to you. This is about your kingdom. It's about you and what you're doing in people's lives in our community. We praise you and we thank you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture lately. Uh, you guys have heard me mention it quite a number of times. And one of the reasons I think it's so important is maybe other than the great commission Jesus gave us when he left the earth, when he said, go and make disciples of all nations, this is possibly one of the most powerful scriptures when it comes to giving the sense of a trajectory, a direction, something taking place, an activity on the earth, a mission, if you will, that God gave to us to see accomplished on the earth. I think sometimes we find ourselves kind of lulled to sleep by life, and church becomes something we just attend. It just becomes a building where people meet. But in reality, the church is God's people, a force to be reckoned with on the earth that is carrying a message of reconciliation to a hurting world. That's the mission you and I are called to. It isn't something just for clergy. Uh, we don't really see the word clergy in the Bible. In fact, the scripture teaches us that we're a kingdom of priests. All of us have a ministry that we bring to the table of reconciliation, and God is making his appeal to creation through us. What does that mean? It means we have a mission. We have something, a business that we're about. We're in the family business of God here on earth. And each one of us has a part to play in that. So I want to recap just a couple of things quickly before I move on into the subject material I wanted to cover today. Uh, just to remind you of something we were diving into a few weeks ago, this idea that the kingdom of God, this ministry of reconciliation, this Going and make disciples of all nations, it changes culture. The kingdom changes cultures. It comes in and it adjusts culture. And I started out talking about culture because no matter what you do, you're going to have a culture, intentionally or unintentionally. Remember we talked about different burger joints. You have a favorite restaurant in town? You ever have a place you walk into and you're like, I'm never coming back? You go in there and you get a sense of the environment and the culture. And what's the attitude in that place? What kind of energy is there amongst the employees? And you kind of get a feel for what kind of a culture is happening in whatever business. 
Church can be like that. We can all be offering the same thing. We can all believe that Jesus is the Lord. We're presenting that message to people. And we can have cultures that are toxic with gossip and backbiting and division and anger and slander and those kind of things. Or we can have an environment that's full of life, that's bringing life, that's activating people, that's having grace for one another, that's leading one another in forgiveness and mercy and those kind of things. You can have two totally different cultures from two groups of people offering exactly the same thing. And I think one of those is what was on the heart of Jesus and one wasn't. (laughs) I think it's really important that we talk about what it is that we value as a church, as a group of people, as God's people. What do we value? Because the things that we value will end up determining what our culture is. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a group of people that's alive and healthy and active and investing in healthy ways in one another's lives, and making an impact in the community through good works and good news. That's what I want to be a part of. Culture will exist no matter what you do. You have to be intentional about the culture you want to create. How about at home, moms and dads? What kind of culture? Try to foster something in your home with your kids. you got to be intentional about what you want if you want your environment to be a certain way. You want your marriage to be good? you got to invest in your marriage. You got to be nice to your wife. You got to take her on dates once in a while. She's going to say, You better practice what you preach, boy. You could be in trouble after bringing that one out. What you do, what you sow into, what you value ends up determining what kind of culture you have. Now, I'm not talking about theological things here. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He rose on the third day. He was born of the Virgin Mary, all those orthodox type Christianity things. We have theological values. But I'm talking things about that we emphasize in terms of the way we treat one another and the way we're going to interact with one another, those kind of values. So I want to just mention for those of you that are like, so you don't value that Jesus is Lord? Yes, absolutely we value that Jesus is Lord. I'm not talking about theological values. I'm talking about cultural values, the way we see those things come into our reality. So I started talking about the fact that Jesus seemed to value authenticity. Jesus valued authenticity. Jesus values authenticity. And we looked at that uncomfortable passage of Scripture. I refrained from reading you the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 23. Did I lose my mic? There we go. Because... Jesus really went after those guys for their hypocrisy. For the fact that they did not claim, they were not who they claimed to be. He addressed things like preaching but not practicing. He would say, you have to do what the Pharisees and the scribes tell you, but don't do what they do. They don't practice what they preach. We want to be a people, a church, and individuals who are what we claim to be. Because being fake is no fun. We want to practice what we preach. Now, we're not perfectionists. We don't believe that moral perfection can take place in this life. We are dependent on the grace of God to overlook our offenses and our weaknesses and our sins and our mistakes. But we still want to begin a journey of putting into practice what we preach. If we really believe that God has called us to minister to the world a message of reconciliation, then let's be a people that actually does that. If God calls us to show mercy and grace and love towards one another, then let's actually stretch ourselves to be that kind of people. 
What else did he get after them for? They were tithing. Remember, we looked at the passage of Scripture where they were giving a tenth of their dill and their mint and their, their cumin and whatever they were called to tithe. And, and Jesus said, you did that, but you neglected the more important things, these principles, justice, mercy, faithfulness. And then he goes on to say that phrase that I so love and I often have to remind myself of where he says, you strained out the gnat and you swallowed a camel. That's a strange image. I don't think he was talking about the cigarettes. I think he meant, you know, an actual camel. You strained out a gnat. What, you went and you nitpicked the little thing and were really religious about it and you missed the whole point. And I think we often run the risk of that. We want to get ourselves in alignment with God. We want to get things right. We want to do the right thing. But we, want, we don't want to do it uh, and destroy other people's lives in the process. It's an interesting thing to ponder. But Jesus cared about their authenticity. And he says, you're clean on the outside, not on the inside. He talks about the cup and the plate. You look good on the outside, but inside you're dirty. You're, you're looking like something that you aren't actually. Jesus cared about the authenticity of those religious leaders. And he was challenging them, be who you say you are. And be it all the way through, inside and out. And we all get a little uncomfortable because we all kind of know ourselves, don't we? We all know the little things that maybe aren't in alignment. We know the things that maybe God is poking at in our lives, saying, hey, I want to make some adjustments here. So we know we're not perfect on the inside. We get a little uncomfortable. But praise God for His grace and His mercy for us. God wants us to be authentic. Why? God is authentic. A few weeks ago we talked about the idea that you know, God is the ultimate. All good things come from God. Everything we know that is good, like authenticity, but also things like love and justice and mercy and faithfulness. All these things. God is the epitome of these things that are good. And what is sin? Sin is anything that pulls us out of alignment with God's goodness. And so we set our sights on God, who is totally and completely good. And He is the example for all of us. God is who He says He is. He's authentic. Are we who we say we are? When Moses was in the desert and he asked him, who should I tell everybody who sent me? He says, I am who I am. God can't be defined like everything around us is in reference to other things. There's a relativity about everything, but God is like ultimate. I am that I am. I could try and describe myself to you. And he has all kinds of names by which he describes himself. But he is what he is. He is what he says he is. I just am. He's the ultimate. And so we set our sights on God himself. He is true. He's the definition of truth. He's the embodiment of truth. When we set our sights on truth, we set our sights on what comes from God. When we set our, our sights on things that are good, we set our sights on things that are from God. It is His character and His nature that we set our sights on and look to be transformed ourselves.
We want to set our course, set our compass, and get in alignment. We don't want to be out of alignment. See, this is what sin does. Kind of keep bringing this up each week and reminding us. Sin is what pulls us out of alignment with God. It's to miss the mark, ultimately. And so we set our sights on what is good, but we, we make decisions or we do things or sinful nature and all this, and it kind of pulls us off the trajectory and we get misalignment from sin. And yet we go back to God to pull ourselves back into alignment with Him and head that direction. God is authentic. He is who He says He is, and that's who we want to be. We want to reflect that value of who God is. Our mission, this message of reconciliation that God has given to us, God making His appeal to His creation through us, requires that we be authentic. We have to hold to certain values that we feel are within the character of God. In order to foster a church that is truly life-giving, if we're fostering values that aren't found in the character of God, then we create an environment of division, disunity, lack of health. But we want to get in alignment so that our mission is fulfilled in the best possible way. Uh, one of the ways we, the way we summarize our mission statement here at Mount Helena is we talk about building community and living the mission. God has called his people to be community. And as we come together in community, bringing our different gifts and personality and everything to the table, there's a mission then to be fulfilled amongst us. If we want to see that actually happen in our midst, the building of a healthy community that has an impact and a mission into our community and region and the entire world, then we've got to bring ourselves into that kind of alignment. Authenticity is one of those things. We have to actually be who we say that we are. Fake is hard to work with. <laughs> you ever been in a situation where, you know, you're working with somebody and or you're working with a product or something, or you go buy something off the shelf. I do this all the time. I'll go into the hardware store. I'll buy plumbing parts. I'll get home, and it's not what I thought it was. I can't work with it. Or it's fake. Well, it's not. I, when we were in South Africa doing stuff, I tell you what, you come to appreciate the quality of products you can find here in the United States. Because we'd go into a hardware store, in South Africa, and you could break plumbing parts with your hands on some of them. It didn't feel very real. Couldn't really work with it because it really wasn't sufficient. Or when you're visiting with somebody and then you find out later that you've been totally deceived by them. And you find out that they weren't what they said. Or they were dishonest about who they were. Oh, that's frustrating, isn't it? To be deceived by somebody. To realize they were faking something, pretending. What about imitation crab? I don't see what's wrong with the real thing. I don't know why we had to come up with something fake. Why do we do that? I don't even know what's in it. I'm not sure I should eat it. It was in Burger King. I've told too many Burger King stories lately. And I'm looking at the menu, and it has one up there that says Impossible Whopper. I'm like, wow, that sounds interesting. I wonder what that is, because they usually have something interesting there, something with jalapenos or hot sauce on it or onion rings. I'm like, yeah, that's good. But I'm tr looking at this picture of this Impossible Whopper, trying to understand what's different about it, and then I notice behind it it says 0% beef. 
I'm like, wait a minute, 0% beef? That's not a hamburger. I didn't get it. It would be fake. I don't want fake. I want the real thing. I don't want fake church. I don't want fake relationships. I don't want pretend. I want the real thing. What does that take? Invisible is hard to work with as well. Can't work with something you can't see or you don't know is there. You just look around this room and there are lots of gifts and lots of talent and lots of personality and lots of positive things that I don't see yet. Maybe I don't know you well enough. Somebody else will be the one to see that and bring that out. But it's there, but I can't work with something that's invisible. And so when we hide who we are or what our gifts are, we just pretend and hold everybody at bay, not being authentic selves, but putting on something different so we look like something to the world. What's, what God really put in us can't come out, can't work with that. It's invisible. It's hidden. But it's also true in negative things as well. If I'm struggling with something and I hide it, it's in the dark, and the Scripture talks about that. Bring it into the light. If we want God to bring healing, restoration, forgiveness, we bring it into the light. We'll talk about that. That poor kid. Preaching's not that bad, is it? We're a body in many parts, and we want to function well. For as in one body we have mem many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. The scripture often refers to us as a body with many different parts. And there's other passages, Corinthians, I can't say this, the body parts can't say I'm not this and I'm not that. And we've had joked a lot about this in the past, but, you know, you just, I mean, you ever, you ever, you ever, your back ever go out? Are any of our chiropractors in the house today? We have a few of them here. Hey, I'm, I'm thankful for that. When my lower back gets out of whack and I have a hard time walking, nothing works right. It's not in the right place. I need to get it into alignment and get it fixed. And when parts of the body aren't functioning and aren't working, we can't be the best expression of ourselves. We need all the gifts. We need all the people. We need all the ideas. We need all the creativity that's in the whole body. But that doesn't happen if we're not authentic. If we hide, and we pretend, or we play a game of church. Those things don't really come out in their fullest expression and prevents the body of Christ from walking in its fullest power. I love that passage we started out with where it talks about the new creation, new creation. I mean, there's just so much hope in those words for us. When we submit our lives to Christ, there's a rebirth, and it's all brand new. And he writes a new story and a new chapter in our lives. But part of that process, finding healing and walking out that process, you know, we know that we're born again in a moment, but we also know that we go on the rest of our lives through process of sanctification, God transforming us. That can happen when we are authentic with God and one another. I thought of 
you know, the idea of a caterpillar pretending it's a butterfly. Now, the caterpillar is going to be a butterfly or whatever else it turns into. But the caterpillar can't be a butterfly while it's a caterpillar. It has to go through these processes to become what it's going to become. But if that caterpillar starts pretending like it's a butterfly, it ain't going to last very long. It's going to jump off a leaf and try and fly away, and it ain't going to work. And we're like that. We know there's potential and we know there's more, but we don't want to deal with our realities that we're in right now. We don't want to expose ourselves to God. We don't want to be real with one another about who we are. And so that process is slowed down. But when we lay hold of authenticity and just be real, really, we're being real. That's what we want to be. Then we can embrace that process. I want to just throw in here too that to remember that our value is not judged in the court of public opinion. This is one of the things that, you know, oh man, it's just a stereotype accusation against the church. And I don't think it's always accurate. I think it's just an easy uh, thing to be accusatory about, but it's the idea that Christians are hypocritical. People don't claim to be, they, don't, they aren't actually who they claim to be. And of course, we, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't want to pretend to be perfect. I think that's part of the problem. That's part of what perpetuates that stereotype. Because I think we've all been in circumstances and situations where we, we, we know when somebody's putting it on. We know when somebody's faking it. And when we get self-righteous, legalistic, arrogant, we emulate an environment and an attitude where it's impossible to be authentic because we fear being criticized. Is it okay to be weak and be a Christian? Is it? Absolutely. And should we not be surprised then when we find our brothers and sisters in Christ are weak? No way. And I'd rather work with authentic Christians in their strengths and weaknesses than people who are pretending to be something they're not. Or people who are, let's, let's look at this in the long term. If we all started pretending like we have it all together, or pretending like we're absolutely right about everything, and start emulating that kind of arrogance, pretty soon the culture becomes toxic. Why? Because we fear being judged. We fear being exposed. People are going to criticize me. People aren't going to like me. People aren't going to accept me because they're judgmental, judgmental and critical. And authenticity gets shut down because of that attitude. I don't want to be that kind of a person. Jesus wasn't that kind of a person. I don't think the church is called to be that way either. But in our grace and love and mercy for one another, we can actually foster a culture where we're able to be our true selves and face our weaknesses and work through them with other people and see our gifts activated and released amongst us and see that butterfly, if you will, come out in our lives. We want to wield the truth well. I touched on this a little bit, but I want to dive a little deeper into it. Remember I was talking, I mentioned this, we talked about it in the past, but you know, I, I tend to think of wisdom as a healthy use of knowledge or an accurate use of knowledge. If I have knowledge and I use it well, that's wisdom. 
Truth is kind of like this. If I can wield the truth well, I can produce something healthy. That's wise. Now, I can take the truth and I can club you over the head with it. And we, I think we all understand this. In fact, I think as we pursue truth, the more we realize we need the grace of God in our lives. Because the truth is we can't be perfect. The truth is we can't save ourselves. The truth is we can't forgive ourselves. Don't hear what I didn't say there. God's the, God is the one we go to, and he has grace and mercy on us and forgives us. But we can't work that out ourselves. We do need to forgive ourselves if we are holding something against ourselves for sure. But truth leads us to grace, I think. It should lead us to grace. When we're, if God is truth, and he's the epitome of truth, and we're seeking God, the closer we get, the more we realize our weakness. And then we have a choice. I think it can go two different ways. When we begin to embrace the truth, we can turn legalistic, and we can use the truth to be critical and harsh and mean and angry and divisive and destroy people's lives because they're not as perfect as we are. Right? Or we take the truth and recognize that in that truth, we need grace. I don't measure up to God. I can't be perfect. And the truth is that God has a grace for me, and I want to lay hold of that. Truth leads us to grace. We want to wield truth well. We don't want to become harsh with it. But grace leads us to humility. If I'm really going to embrace grace, I have to realize that I'm weak and realize that other people are weak. Grace leads us to humility. And humility, gentleness, and patience. Paul, in one of his letters, Ephesians chapter 4, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. When we take, we can lay hold of the truth, pursue God, pursue His Word and understanding of who He is and embrace that grace, it'll lead us to a culture and a relationships where we can be this, treating one another with humility and gentleness and patience, where we truly can bear with one another in love. If the church is just a business or if church is just a meeting you attend on Sunday, this doesn't happen in that environment. You're all going to walk out of here in a half hour. There's not opportunity for this. The church is a lot more than a Sunday morning meeting. It's a community of people building relationships with one another and living out a mission all week long in their daily lives. And in that environment is where we truly see humility and gentleness and patience and the times where we bear with one another in love taking place. This can happen if we are authentic. If we pursue Truth. Because really, authentic is the, being inauthentic is the opposite of being true. It's like lying. If I perpetuate something that I'm not, I'm not really telling the truth. If I want to be authentic, I have to embrace the truth. We want to exercise healthy grace and bear with one another in love. 
James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I don't know about you, but confessing your sin to somebody else sucks. It's painful. I kind of got to humble myself to do that. I got to admit my weakness. But if I really want to find healing for whatever it is I'm dealing with, I, I've really got to confess that. I got to be in community to confess. I got to be in relationship with people in order to do that in an effective way. And what do we see happens? And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What happens? We be, we be our authentic selves. We're like, hey, man, I'm, I'm struggling with this thing. It's like, great, let's pray for you. Let's pray. Okay, God, forgive me. God, bring healing in this area. And, and there's just a sense of community and life and authenticity and a group of people that can go on to live the mission effectively when they relate to one another in this way, bearing with one another in love. Let's look at another one. Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, that is sin, you who are spiritual should restore him. Do what with him? Restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves lest you too be tempted. What does it say? Bear one another's burdens. We can do that if we're real. But we can't if we're fake. Let's not be fake. Leads us to opportunity for healing for our souls, more meaningful relationship with others. But it takes effort on everyone's part. I can't stand up here and preach authenticity and that be enough. It's something where each one of us have to wrestle with, where am I at in that process? Who am I in that? God, how do I grow and being authentic, being real with the people around me, being real with God, being in real relationships. It's not a one-sided endeavor. It's both, a, you know, I've, I'm kind of taking a few minutes here talking about sin and authenticity being that we allow that to come to the fore, but the opposite is true as well. If I want people to feel okay coming to me confessing their sin, I have to be authentic too. If people think I'm putting it on and fake, nobody will want to talk to me about their problems. That's why we don't make this huge deal that the clergy should be on a pedestal and the lay person down here. That's nonsense. We are all a body. I am no different than any of you. Okay, The elders aren't any different than any of you. Right? We're not up on a pedestal with some superior thing. We don't think that way. We don't operate that way. We're going to be real with each other. We're going to be a body. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're all bringing something different to the table. I bring something to the table to help the body of Christ. Jason brings something to the body of Christ. Shreya brings something to the body of Christ. We're all bringing our gifts and who we are to see all of us thrive and grow. I love authenticity. Honestly, it was a thing that caught me when I first came to church. Like I ran away for a little while from the church. I just have to ask. I'm sorry to call you out, but Mrs. Guthrie, is that is that you? Okay. I'm sorry to call you out like this, but I recognized you. 
I want to tell you something real quickly. When I was a little boy, uh, I, I was, I think I was like eight, nine, ten years old, somewhere in there. Um, Jill and a lady named Janet would do Sunday school out in Elliston in a little church after school. And um, I would go there. Uh, I'm sure you, I don't know if you remember this, but you prayed with me when I was about nine or ten years old to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I just want you to know, I don't know that I would be standing here if it weren't for people like you that served kids in that way. So I just really appreciate it. It takes effort on everyone's part, and everybody brings something. And maybe someday, you know, the effort that you bring, you might, you might never know. It might be 30 years later, you'll be sitting in a church service somewhere, and the guy preaching goes, I remember you. My life's different because of you. And you go, thank you, God, that you led me to serve your body and be a part of it. You never know what can happen. One of the things, too, that we talk about in terms of authenticity is taking a really strong stand against gossip. Gossip sucks. Oh, I hate it when I hear stuff and it's been stirred so many times it's not even close to the truth. You should have heard some of the stuff I heard about Jason when he was on sabbatical. He had back surgery. He was retiring. I'm like, wow, I didn't know any of that. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Some translations say gossip. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may not find you as I wish. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. And that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, Anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Paul is concerned that he's going to come and he's going to find a culture that's operating in these things. And slander and gossip are one of those things that will destroy the authenticity of a group of people overnight. Because we, we hear this news and it's interesting and it's dramatic and some people love the the dramatic things, and so they, they hear it, and they say it again, and then they say it to somebody else, and they talk to somebody else about it. I had a friend come up to me, and he's like, hey, do you know this guy? Yeah, I know that. I know, who you're, I know the guy you're talking about. And then he said, I don't even know this guy, but I'm being accused of slandering alongside of him with something. Okay, these, I don't know if that made any sense. But this idea that's like, Everybody's saying that I'm connected to this situation. I don't even know these people. What was it? It was gossip and slander that had been something this big that got blown into something this big, and it wasn't even true. That's gross. That will destroy relationships. It will ruin environments. If you're tempted to gossip about something, think twice. If you're not a part of the solution or the problem, don't talk about it. Or if you need to talk about it, go right to the person that you need to talk to. I think that's just a key thing when it comes to the idea of gossip. If you have a problem, go right to the person you have a problem. Don't go to all their friends. Don't go to all your friends. Go to the person and sit down and work it out. But to go around slandering and gossiping destroys lives.
It doesn't build trust. Because really, that's what we're talking about, aren't we? If we want authentic culture here, we have to trust. And trust has to be built. It has to be maintained. There has to be effort to build it. Even despite failures, even despite when someone messes up, we still we extend grace and we keep moving forward to build that trust. I haven't talked a lot about the word vulnerability. I was visiting with a friend of mine recently over lunch, and I was talking about, well, I, you know, I want to be, I want to be a vulnerable person, and he's like, yeah, but you're not really being vulnerable. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? He's talking about we're talking about total exposure. You're not totally exposed. You're, you're letting a little bit of you be exposed, but not the whole of you. When something's vulnerable, it's at risk. Are we really willing to put ourselves at risk in our relationships with one another? Because we can get hurt. We've all been hurt. And when we're vulnerable or we're authentic, we run that risk of being wounded because we're exposed. But if we can build trust with people, we can be vulnerable and thus find the healing that we need in our souls. Not only regarding weaknesses, but strengths also. Some of you have great strengths, but you're scared to exercise those, or maybe that doesn't have a place in the kingdom of God. I'm sure it does. But as we build trust, we're like, hey, I, I feel like I could do this. I feel like I could be a worship leader. I feel like I could lead a small group or whatever it is God's turning your heart, but I'm, I'm unsure about it. Well, let's, let's be vulnerable about it. Let's work through it. Let's build trust. Let's have an environment like that. Now, don't, I, I do want to say this too. Like, you don't walk into a group like this and air out your dirty laundry. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, you know, I don't hop up here on the pulpit and confess all my sin to everybody in the room. I don't trust everybody in the room. But I'm building trust with individuals, and we're growing as a community. And if I feel like I really need to talk about something, I have individuals that I trust that I can go to and talk about those things. So don't, you know, I'm not talking about just this mass chaos vulnerability. We don't do that. It's not wise. But we do look for opportunities and relationships where we can be that. Our relationships with God and one another will thrive when we're honest with ourselves and those around us about who we really are. An authentic environment is dependent upon our ability to be open to others and to humbly respond to input. Our communication and actions both should reflect accurately on our true character and our sincere desire to follow Jesus. Do you want to be a part of authentic community? I do. And I think that's what Jesus has called us to. He's called us to be family, to be body, to be in real relationships, bringing a message of hope and reconciliation to his creation. Would you stand, please? I'm going to pray for us. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to pray for insecurity. If you struggle with insecurity about certain things, or if what I'm telling you, talking about, makes you uncomfortable, because, man, that's tough. It is hard to be authentic. It is not easy. It's not easy to be real with people. And it takes a while to build trust. But if you struggle with insecurity, just in your heart, would you 
just come before God as I pray and really embrace what I pray this morning, asking God for healing. Father, we, we come before you this morning. You are our strong tower. You are our refuge. You are our strength. You are our rescuer. You're our hero. You're the one who loves us and has redeemed us and forgives us of our sin and loves us despite our weakness and challenges us to grow. Father, I pray for all those today who are struggling in insecurity or struggling in broken, inauthentic relationships. Father, I pray that the truth would shine, the truth about who you are, and the truth about who you are in all those who struggle with insecurity. Lord, that they would find their refuge and strength in you, in the ability to trust you and the path that you're leading them on. And Father, I pray that you would bring authentic people into their lives to help them see and become the butterfly that you've called them to be, the person that will grow into their future calling that you have for them. Father, I pray for Mount Helena Community Church, Lord, that we would be a people who are authentic in direct contrast to what you had to say to those Pharisees, Lord. We want to embrace the whole thing, not just on the outside, but on the inside as well. Father, I pray that your spirit would move in power amongst us, Lord, leading us in your way and in your kingdom. And seeing that uh, ambassadorship released amongst us to have an impact in this community and the region beyond and the world. Father, I pray you'd find us faithful with what you've entrusted to us. And I pray that you'd continue to lead us in Jesus' name. Amen.